Welcome to Double Vision, a reality recap podcast with Jules and Keens. Let's get into it. today i'm doing so well there was a heat wave because hashtag global warming is real yeah but then it rained a little bit which is hashtag global warning warming is a lie (laughs) (laughs) just kidding just kidding (laughs) i believe in science yes 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 but whenever it rains i do feel better about the future which you know it may be um false hope for me (laughs) okay we're back to Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. Mm-hmm. And last week, a lot happened. Um, basically, we concluded the white dinner party, and Jordan won the argument, and that was cool. And she's not one to mess with, so everybody pay attention. Right. We also met Shanice and Phil, who both, in their own way, came through and to stir shit up, uh, Phil, by literally taking a shit and not flushing it. And Shanice proclaiming that her goal was to black out and have fun. Yeah. Two great personalities in the house. Although Phil kind of kept escalating things and ended up in an argument with Amir at the end of the episode. Right. And let's not forget that also during this episode was the infamous Bria versus Mariah semi-physical altercation over dog clothes in the dryer right the battle of the dog blanket basically (laughs) so we pick up uh on the episode with amir and phil uh nose to nose essentially and amir says that he needs that phil needs to quote respect the house yeah and phil doesn't know what that means He doesn't know the meaning of respect. Um, And security comes and separates them and takes them to different rooms. Amir says he's standing up for everyone else. And he says, I have no problem handling business. And I love this self-righteous anger of Amir. Right. It's nice to see him in this sort of state because he's always been such a gentleman and so sweet and so kind. But I think that it's a little exciting to see him as also somebody who will stand up for others and who won't uh, lay down for bullying. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't really ever see him being aggressive, but he will be aggressive on behalf of his friends. And I think that's cool. Right. Yeah. So once things get tempered down just a little bit, we see Jasmine walk into the room and then very intentionally proclaim to each and every person in the room, I appreciate you, black man. Yes. Yes, she is still promoting black excellence. And no matter what happens, she will promote black excellence. And I appreciate that. Same. Um, So Preston and Alex say Phil has to go or they're done. So they're making a stand. And um, Jordan goes and tries to talk to Phil because I guess she's had phone conversations and she thinks he's like a really cool guy, which I don't understand. She and Bria and Shanice are always like, what? Phil's being rude. I can't believe it. It's like what person have they interacted with up until this point? I had the exact same reaction. Like, have you actually met this person, Phil? Or I don't know. Yeah. So Jordan's like, what are you doing? He says, it's all Bria's fault. They cut to Bria laying in her bed, looking at her phone, which I love. (laughs) (laughs) And then Phil tries to bet Jordan that if they let Milo out, she can't catch him. And then he tries to tell her that she should be nice to him because he called her cute. 
These are just, it's just non sequiturs designed to infuriate people. Literally, it feels like Jordan is trying to have a very serious conversation about what happened and Phil is cracking jokes the entire time. Yeah, but like, are they even jokes? I can't tell. Right. I felt like my impression of this entire interaction is that Phil can't take anything seriously. Like even things that really need to be taken seriously, he just kept at it. Mm. It was gross. He's definitely not hearing people at all when they try to tell him that like they have boundaries or anything like that. So as Jordan and Phil are talking, it's clear that Jordan is getting increasingly more irritated with Phil's reaction. And ultimately, she finally sort of blows up. She says that she's being triggered by him and that this man is, quote, disrespectful. She adds, like, bass in her voice. She is clearly angry. Um, I My memory is that Preston was around because Preston is always around to help put out fires and save the house guests from there. Yeah, he's the knight in shining armor. Exactly. But um, eventually, because of this sort of continued escalation, Phil gets placed in a timeout. Literally, they pull out a chair and say, you're in timeout. You have to sit there while we talk about you, essentially. Um, so the house decides to sit down for a meeting, which doesn't include Mariah and Phil. I have questions. Why wasn't Mariah at the meeting? She right? just seems to be off in her room and no one's like pulling her in. But then she comes and hangs out with Phil in the kitchen while everyone else is having a meeting. So I think that the reason why Mariah wasn't there is because Bria manipulated that entire situation. So how do you feel like she could have manipulated the, like who was at the meeting? Right. So and I can't recall whether it was right after or maybe at a different point but so she says there's literally a point where she says I want to leave and everybody's like what's going on Bria what's going on and then she says oh well because you guys are talking about all this stuff about my friend and about Phil and how he disrespected people and nobody's talking about when I was physically assaulted and then Jasmine says I don't know where Mariah is and Bria literally says don't bring her down here so mm. multiple people in the house then start to suggest like, well, she's part of the house. She should be here. And Bria says, did she put her hands on you? Exactly. Then it's a different situation. And then in the confessional, she says, my friend got to go. Then her friend got to go too. Yeah. I definitely felt like as the meeting goes on and people are sort of united and wanting Phil to leave the house Bria took that moment and was like, this is my opportunity to get Mariah out. Right. Without having any conversation with her either, which I thought right. was really kind of shitty. Like Bria never says to her, hey, you pushed me and that was really not okay and it crossed the line. Right. I mean, I also got the sense that for Bria, this is more of an ego thing. Like, wait, my friend is now like embarrassing me. And I don't want this all to be put on me and the person I invited into the house because showing that I have terrible judgment. Clearly. So I'm going to make it about now someone else was mean to me. And now it's not really about just about Phil and how I invited him anymore. You know, that's a good point, too. And I didn't see that piece of it because I was so focused on how shitty she was being to Mariah. But I think that you're right. I bet it was a combination of both of those things. Right. What I will say, and I will give it up to Bria, is when she has her conversation with Phil, she 
<laughs> she turns to him and says, yeah, you got to go. Yeah. <laughs> She's very direct. Right. And surprise, surprise, Phil does not take it well. But. She's like, no, this is what it is. Very cut and dry. I appreciated that level of candor. And then as he's leaving, he says something along the lines of, what would Obama have done? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you mean, what he, would he have done in your situation? Right. Or if everyone else in the house was Obama, but you were still Phil? Right. I don't understand. I didn't understand it, but I feel like that's basic for Phil. Like, he is a consistent, <laughs> just oddity yeah it's funny too because he kind of brings in i think he thinks these are sort of like woke references but they're so out there and bizarre that it's just like no it doesn't land (laughs) also don't come into if obama's say this is the obama's summer house and you're staying there i hope you wouldn't be acting like that I think that they would kick you out if you acted like that. You'd probably get kicked out very fast. Oh, my gosh. He would never be invited to anything related to the Obamas because they would see him for exactly what he is, which is a douchebag and an asshole. Yeah. And I, you know, maybe may I be so bold. I do feel like most of the people in this house could probably hang with the Obamas for like an hour. I feel like they'd be fine. Like if the Obamas had a big party and they crashed it, I think they'd be fine. You know, I think that you're right. I am on the fence with Shanice Cimbria, mm. but everybody else, I think they would fit right in, actually, with a, a party atmosphere. Right. Maybe. No, like, one-on-ones with Michelle. Right. Maybe <laughs> Preston could, but he'd be oh, the only Oh, absolutely one. Preston could. I mean, we have to, I mean, he's, of course, the superior person of the house. <laughs> right. So after Bria tells Phil that he has to go, then we turn to Jasmine breaking the news to Mariah. Yeah, and she's like super sad to have to do this. She's very gentle about it. And she ultimately says like, we think it would be better for you if you left the house. And I have to agree that it would be better for Mariah. I just don't think the situation is working for her. But I also don't think it's 100% her fault that it's not working. Yeah, I agree. And I felt so bad for Mariah, especially when the sort of, I felt like it hit her in the moment that the decision had already been made without any conversation with her. And this is supposed to be her best friend, right? Jasmine and her have been friends for over a decade. And there was no... Like, couldn't give her a heads up, couldn't have any... Just to even bring her into the room, and I think that's where the problem is. I mean, you know, Bria said it; she was assaulted, and then not many people saw that, but then Silas said, I guess we have to draw the line. If someone assaults someone else, they have to go. But I do feel like there still could have been space to, like, bring Mariah in and talk to her about it, or, like, just at least hear her side of it right and I think that's where the manipulation comes in because there were particularly I think it was Alex but definitely Jasmine wanted to bring Mariah in wanted her to be part of the conversation wanted her to be part of the solution and Bria wasn't having it and she used I hate to say it like that because it makes it sound like I'm kind of victim blaming and that's not what I'm trying to do but I think that she really leaned into what happened to her as an excuse for why they needed to never be in the same room ever again together. Yeah. And I also want to say like, 
sure in the moment that she was pushed, she didn't have a big reaction. That's not uncommon. Sometimes when people are assaulted in any way, they don't immediately process it. And so I don't want to say like her reaction in the moment didn't support her feeling weird about it later. But at the same time, I just like I'm not getting the sense that she's genuinely really traumatized by this. It seems like she's just kind of leveraging it. And maybe that's editing. Like, I don't really know. Right. I agree completely with that. And it's something that sort of stuck out to me was that she seemed to get increasingly angry over what happened. But in the moment, it was a participatory argument. Right. Yeah. This wasn't a situation where Bria was sitting and like playing with a doll and Mariah came out of nowhere, snatched her by her ponytail and starts yelling at her about a dog. This was a situation where Mariah approached her angry. Right. Well, we can admit that Mariah was angry when she approached her, but that she was trying to tell her why she was angry. And Bria wasn't actually trying to hear it. And she also wasn't very receptive to any of the proposed solutions that Mariah brought up. And I can imagine that was a choice, right? She could have very easily said, whoa, whoa, okay, calm down. You're talking to me kind of crazy, but what is going on? What are you upset over? But instead, she immediately got on the defensive and she immediately started yelling back. And I think that that's why things escalated, right? I think it was both of them sort of getting into a verbal fight that I don't even know I still there's a part of me that feels like at some point that we need to just re-watch the footage roll the tapes back because I need to see for my own eyes what exactly happened memories are fuzzy editing is shady but I need to know yeah I'll say you know I watched this show originally and then watched it for note-taking purposes (laughs) and then during that note-taking viewing I was rewinding trying to be like wait what exactly is happening and I just it just didn't feel like at least as far as what the camera captured that this was an instance of one person assaulting another person agreed sorry okay well maybe that's a good place to take a break I hope our audience is still with us when we come back house the meeting is over everyone's kind of recovering jasmine is sad shanice goes to i believe the room that like preston and amir are next to each other in the room and they share a bathroom Mm -hmm. and she goes and tells preston that she likes amir and she wants to f him preston's like okay good to know then she gets into their bathroom to take a shower Amir knocks on the door, clearly, like, is someone in the bathroom, and he realizes there's someone in the bathroom, so he, like, leaves the door. She walks out topless to talk to him, be like, oh, did you want to use the bathroom? (laughs) It's so thirsty. It is. What I appreciated was, one, Amir was very honest about the entire situation and was like, listen, if this were a different circumstance, I know what this means, and I know exactly, like, what to do in that situation but I'm not going to and second when he turns to the camera and says you got all that right and the camera nods yeah the camera moves up and down (laughs) (laughs) 
So that's some evidence that everybody knows there is a camera mounted in their room. Exactly. <laughs> Including uh, Silas and Jasmine. Get, yeah. Get it together. I know. So I have to say, oh, then Shanice walks away. She's like, sorry for the tits. Um, okay. I have to say, I'm like not a crazy modest person. If someone like sees my boobs, it's not going to like traumatize me. Mm -hmm. But I think if you're trying to seduce someone, the way to go is not to just like walk out and be like, here's me topless. I feel like you want to act like maybe I don't want you to see my boobs. (laughs) Then they'll be more interested. Is that old fashioned? I don't know if it's old fashioned. I will say that I see it both ways. I think number one, let's make sure it's very clear that what Shanice did was thirsty AF. Like that was a lot. But have I been in a situation? I I remember being, (laughs) I'm going to keep telling stories about my partner. He's going to be so mad at me. But so when um, we had first moved in together and I tend to shower in the morning rather than at night, So I showered and I'm thinking he's still asleep and then I'm getting ready for my day. And then this goes on for like a few days. And then finally he stops me. He's like, what is going on with you? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you're always like trying to seduce me in the morning when, and then you like just leave. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, when you come out of the shower and you're like dancing around (laughs) and I was like dancing around, what are you talking about? I will say that as I have not, and I, it's probably because I see my body all the time. I have to deal with it everywhere I go. I'm not as aware of like my breasts as men might be or people who like breasts per se. And so there were occasions where I was literally just walking around trying to find a shirt but he was convinced that I was trying to like do some weird seductive dance. <laughs> and then not without acknowledging him. Exactly. And then just leave. And then just leave. I'm but like, that probably was seductive because you weren't <laughs> trying too hard. Right. Which to your point, you know what? I take back everything. I take back the entire story. Actually, you're right. The more we're talking this through, you're right. That wasn't seductive at all. Like, oh my goodness, hi. We're is everything all right? Yeah, she just goes and, and stands just, like, in the middle of her boobs with a Preston thong on. is there. Oh it's God. just like it was. It was weird to me. I mean, everybody has different relationships with nudity. Clearly, Shanice is not modest, and we're gonna get some more moments of her not being modest. But I just I didn't think this was really the way to get someone interested in you. Yeah, call me old fashioned. I won't because you're right. Yeah. I think that that's maybe it is actually old fashioned. <laughs> well, it's just like I'm not saying like I'm not like only kiss until you're married or anything like that. It's just sort of like if you want someone to be intrigued, you can't like show them everything, especially when all they did was knock on the bathroom door to see right. if there's anyone in the bathroom. It's so weird. Yeah. Ugh. So after this entire situation, towards the end of the evening, um, Amir comments about how he doesn't think Mariah deserves to be sort of forced out of the house. Um, And he does mention that he wants to take Bria's concern seriously, but I thought that it was really sweet that he goes into the room to just check on her and Mariah sort of like breaks down crying. Yeah. And one thing she says is that she's mourning her friendships Mm. and she says they forgot who I truly am. And I do feel like they were 
casting her as a totally different person than what she was actually presenting. Right. And then I feel like juxtapose that with Phil, who Shanice calls Phil, who takes zero responsibility for anything that he's done, says, why would I have to apologize? What are you talking about? And his final words are, and I quote, all of y'all, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. He should have left it at what would Obama have done. Right? <laughs> he also should have been kicked out of the house and Mariah shouldn't have been. Yeah. For to lump her in, just so frustrating. So frustrating. Well, everybody's basically getting ready for the beach day and Mariah's leaving and we're moving on. And what we're going to do is have um, a day out at Inkwell Beach. And while they're packing up, Amir, I guess Amir's always doing little chores and Jasmine kind of comments on it and he's like, yeah, and like low-key added the wrong laundry and started an entire house fight. <laughs> what? Right? Amir. Oh my gosh. he It was literally all his fault. He's the one that put Milo's stuff in the laundry. And it does give like more credence to Bria being like, I didn't do that. Because I was like, well, of course she did. But she, you know, she was correct that she didn't do the thing that she was being accused of. Right. So there's that. Amir, why didn't you say anything? Listen, one of the best moments is when it cuts to him trying to say, oh, actually it was. (laughs) Yeah, they go back to the fight and he's (laughs) off to the side, like raising his index finger and then just like putting it back down. (laughs) Like, oh, never mind. And honestly, there wasn't much that he could have said. It was escalating out of control. I do think maybe he should have been a little bit more directed in letting folks know what happened. But yeah, like maybe when they went out, he could have said, like, you guys, this is what happened. Maybe at the dinner table or something and let and then Bria could have had everybody understand she didn't do it. And then they could have talked to Mariah. I feel like there was a way to get resolution and he kind of dropped the ball there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Either way. Um, shortly after that, Alex leaves to go journal because he's so deep and he meditates. And yeah. He, he says, I'm a visionary. I am a leader. I start with myself. He says he used to be an F boy, but Um, meditation has helped him to be more respectful to women. Yeah, I can appreciate that he is admitting that he wasn't probably the best guy, that he was being misleading to women in order to, quote, get what he wanted. Um, And I really did like the quote where he says, when you're not taking care of yourself, you're always going to hurt someone else. Like, that's a very deep thought, right, for somebody who has gone through some stuff as far as maybe not being great in relationships and working on himself so he remains wonderful (laughs) (laughs) yeah I do appreciate that he's like working on stuff um but then he tells Janice that she doesn't know personal space and that she was grabbing him last night and they cut to her at dinner she's kind of like drunkenly like grabbing his arm while he talks or while she laughs or whatever um, and I guess he didn't like that. And everybody has their personal space boundaries. It's just very odd to me that he just kind of walks into a room and announces this to her. 
Yeah, it was weird. I mean, to his credit, I will say that he did in the moment even use the phrase personal space because it's clearly something that he doesn't like. But to sort of call her out in front of everybody, I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, it seems like more appropriate for him and maybe in the moment to say, like, I don't really like it when people grab me or even after dinner to be like, hey, just so you know, whatever. I don't know. Right. Shanice is not taking it seriously. She says, is he scared of me? I'm five foot seven and I weigh 120 pounds. Let me tell you, <laughs> if you're a lady and you're trying to get me on your side, don't talk about how little you are. <laughs> well, I'm so little. Who would ever be scared of me? Just in case you didn't know, here's how much I weigh. I'm so little. Oh, my God. Not interested. I'm team Alex now for no reason. <laughs> right. Other than it made me roll my eyes, too. And I don't know. There was the fact that he said something in the confessional that was along the lines of Shanice is his type but he's, quote, heard things about her or something like that. I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah, all these aspersions. Um, so they're in the car, Alex is talking with some of the other guys, and they decide he's a sapiosexual because yeah. he's so intellectual. He needs to connect on an intellectual level. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I will say, like, I remember when sapiosexual came about – I have had these types of conversations with people and I just don't get it. Like I kind of get it. You know, you want someone who's on the same level as you intellectually. I think everybody wants that at every intellectual level. They're probably going to be interested in people who are like near the same level as them. Mm -hmm. And it seems more like a, something that men are going to say about themselves almost as a way of like, I only like women who are smart enough for me, which is just like, well, of course everybody likes people who are, going to be like smart enough to have a conversation with them but like this is like I only appreciate women who can come up to the level that I'm at and I think that you've perfectly identified my sort of issue with this entire concept because it sort of presupposes that women are not intelligent enough to carry a conversation when we know that women carry most of the loads of good conversations uh, yeah like I don't look at Alex and be like wow this guy's a genius sorry right oh my goodness <laughs> the things that you say are so insightful they turn me on I'm like no you're tall with great teeth and you're handsome <laughs> right you're you're not that intelligent you're definitely not smarter than me so what what is there yeah. I'm attracted to your face in your body I would love for a woman to tell Alex like I'm not attracted to you because I'm a sapiosexual oh my <laughs> gosh that would be so perfect <laughs> right the humbling experience that a man like Alex might just might need I don't know exactly so they also talk about Nick and they kind of tease Nick and Silas says Nick doesn't go for girls in person referencing the fact that he kind of like goes for them in their DMs and then doesn't make a move. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of people start saying like he has some kind of secret. And Alex says Nick is being intellectually dishonest because <laughs> Alex is an expert on intellectual things. Right. But Alex and Nick also have a closer relationship than I think Nick has with the other guys. So yeah. I'm sure he knows things that they don't. And he really wants Nick to be honest, maybe, but... There's still time for that. Right? Absolutely. So they're at the beach having adult 
field day, which I don't care about. <laughs> They're going to do sports activities. The sports activities look cute. I'm not following who's on what team or who's winning or anything like that. Simply not following because this is sports. And what's so funny about this is I said to myself as I was uh, reviewing the episode for tonight's podcast that Jules is going to take such meticulous notes about this entire situation. <laughs> and clearly I misread the situation, but I can confirm that there were two teams and maybe it comes from being the kid that was often picked last for kickball, but I was very invested in who got picked and how. So the two teams were uh, Nick's team and Jordan's team. Nick picks Alex, Amir, and Jasmine. Easy choices. And Jordan picks Shanice, Silas, and Preston. Yeah, confounding choices. Other than Preston, but like why wouldn't you pick him first? Obviously you want Preston on your team. Number one pry. I don't know. Why did she pick Silas? Why? Like, I don't know. I think maybe she was considering who would be physically fit to really destroy the other team. And that's what she came up with. I know that we there was some reference at some point to Shanice being like a college basketball player. Right. I forget, but she's a little short. <laughs> We know she's only 5'7". And 120 pounds. (laughs) Listen, I think we finally found Jules' blind spot. Any reference to sports, she just goes completely (laughs) blank. I am a curious, intellectual, sapiosexual. (laughs) And I am interested in any topic except sports, which I truly cannot. Like, my brain can't watch sports. I'm sorry. It's fine. The this to your point, this was like a cute physical run frolicking in the sand situation, but we don't learn much more about any of the house guests. No, they're just doing some silly things. Right. So eventually towards the end, um, Amir uh, starts to do a thirst trap and then somewhat trips on the beach or he falls or like hits his toe on a rock. Did he? I for, I missed the falling part. Oh my goodness. And it could be the editing, but so he is doing this like slow motion run across the beach. Oh, okay. With his shirt off. And then as he's running, he clearly hits something wrong. Oh, he doesn't fall over completely, but he's like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh. And then uh, he's stumbling. And it's actually, it makes him. Amir is really cute and he seems really sweet. And I think that that made him even more personable. Like he's so handsome, but he's also kind of goofy. Like, yeah, I think his personality is very sweet. And, you know, I can't tell if he's on the short side. It seems like a lot of the other men are like referred to him. He's a short king. And sometimes I feel like short guys are cool because they've had to like be more humble. And this makes them like more empathetic and self-effacing, which I love that you you're probably onto something there. I mean, I'm five ten, so you're not messing with them. I'm not messing with <laughs> any short guys. I, I would rather be alone. So oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. It is what it has to, I mean, think of the children, Jules. Okay. <laughs> okay. So then, um, we, we finally learn about what the, issue with Shanice's everybody's been talking around right yeah Alex reveals that last night an article about Shanice was sent to him I mean by who right what by who huh why who okay so the article headline is 
And I quote, insecure actor shares his crazy breakup experience with XGF Shanice Jordan, who is stalking him. I just want to point out, they're talking about Insecure, the TV show, yes. but they do not put it in quote marks. <laughs> so it just sounds like they're describing him as insecure. And that's just like a little PSA for all of you. It's very important to indicate titles. <laughs> all right. So this is, this is the segment of the podcast where we delve deeply into the need for Oxford commas, um, appropriate <laughs> quotation marks. <laughs> No, but you're right. It doesn't, it wasn't immediately clear to me who they were talking about either. And then I realized that they were talking about the TV show, but that was a weird, I don't know. Was it TMZ? Do you remember who the article was? Um, I don't, but also it could have been the Bravo editors just putting that text up in their little like effect that they just took out the quotes or something. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I liked that the girls kind of immediately jumped to Shanice's defense. Right. And I loved that Shanice was almost immediately admitting to all of the things that she did. She was like, yeah, I didn't stalk him. I mean, I just called him a lot. Um, But basically, like, Bria says that she was in a toxic relationship with this guy, that when she broke up with him, he basically sent, sent this to the press to, like, change the narrative about her or get revenge Mm -hmm. and jasmine mentions that he accused her of like calling her calling him multiple times and stalking him and showing up outside his home and jasmine's like adamant shanice would never do that that's not even her style and then cut to shanice saying well i'll be honest i did call him a bunch of times but like it was fine and then cut back to Jasmine <laughs> saying, well, of course, you're going to have multiple missed calls. Like if you don't answer the phone and then she had to call you again, it's going to look like she called you a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, which is true. Right. Uh, but also, yeah, I mean, maybe not the greatest behavior, but certainly not worth like an article about how you're stalking someone. This guy sounds like a real piece of work. Right. And to hear that ultimately the request for a temporary restraining order was denied because he continued to text her is very telling that this is just a very young couple just doing young, weird things. Mm-hmm. And in the era of social media and a very litigious society of course he's you know seeking out more and greater punitive action for somebody for maybe going a little bit off the deep end but it didn't it didn't actually sound like she'd done anything criminal no and i mean certainly nothing he could prove in court and i don't love that alex was just like jumping to this conclusion that's like oh i guess she's like doesn't respect boundaries and she's a stalker like that's not not cool alex not cool alex Uh, should we take a break yeah let's do it So the beach day ends when a bunch of geese arrive at the beach and everybody's like, all right, we got to go. And basically because geese are aggressive, which I understand, but I thought it was very funny because I live in a place with lots of geese too. And I'm just sort of used to dealing with them. But maybe when you're coming from the city, you're not so used to it. Yeah, and I have no recollection of these geese. Probably because (laughs) I just completely 
blanked that out but yeah um the beach day ends and then they immediately turn to preparing for their dinner yeah amir is cooking another cute thing about amir is that his mom made him learn how to cook because he was a picky eater what a dream and he's like talking about how cooking means a lot to him such a great thing his mom did for him very cute Preston is making the mac and cheese Mm -hmm. and someone asked if he's going to put breadcrumbs on and he's extremely (laughs) offended. He said breadcrumbs on mac and cheese is a surefire way to never be invited in a black home ever again. Right. Okay. So this made me wonder, do you have like a mac and cheese (laughs) recipe that you're very passionate about? So to be perfectly honest, it's the wildest thing. So growing up, my mom did a mac and cheese that was a combination of like Velveeta style cheese sauce, but different noodles. It was very bizarre. Um, Mac and cheese is actually my favorite. It's my comfort food. Like if you check my pantry right now, if I'm guessing, I would say that I have maybe five or six boxes of mac and cheese of like the Velveeta kind no oh what kind no Velveeta is disgusting okay that's why there's a progression right so no the mac and cheese that I buy because I do like boxed mac and cheese but I used to do Kraft and now I do Annie's Mm. but I don't know if they're sponsoring anything so we'll bleep that (laughs) (laughs) I cook a lot of Annie's for my kids it's so good it is good yeah and I, I mean I love it and I make it usually with butter and milk but so my partner, who was a chef, would made mac and cheese for me using, like, the most delectable cheeses and did, like, a cheese sauce roux. And I remember so distinctly when he made this for Thanksgiving and my mom was just livid. Like, the mac and cheese and the potato salad are the two things that if you don't do them right, people will never let you live it down. Yeah. You know, but I, I love mac and cheese and I do have like my own sort of recipe. If I was doing it myself, it wouldn't be macaroni noodles. It's usually like rotini noodles. I do that too. Um, and I bake it because Mm -hmm. baked mac and cheese is so much better. Absolutely. Okay. Do you put a topping on, on it? No, this is a black household tools. Okay. Are you? <laughs> well, did did Obi put a topping on it? Or he did, but it was like a cheese topping. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't like bread. Like he did. It was like a. It was like a panko, <gasps> like panko breadcrumb. That's what parm. I do on my mac and cheese. I use panko. Yeah. Okay, I'm really happy that Obi and I are on the same page. I mean, yeah, you're clearly doing it the way that a chef would do it. Um, but your mom didn't like the breadcrumbs. My mom would never. She didn't okay. even really eat the mac and cheese. She was oh my gosh. just not a fan because she's <laughs> used to what she's used to. And yeah. honestly, baked mac and cheese, when it's done, every time I've had it um, from my family in Chicago, they it's almost like it looks almost like a cake mm-hmm. in the way that it's like cut and it really keeps its shape because yeah. it's very thick and very like cheese filled. But it is, it's kind of like hard baked on top instead of the mac and cheese that you'll get from anyone I think that adds panko. The cheese itself is very saucy. And so I am open to all mac and cheeses because I love macaroni and cheese as long as there's no bacon in it. But 
Yeah. The when Preston said that, I'm like the accuracy <laughs> cannot be overstated. Okay. Well, someday I do want to make you my mac and cheese because I do feel it's delicious, and the panko is mixed with other cheeses, so it has like a melty texture. Exactly. That's exactly what Obi would do. Now, can I tell you what I, the mac and cheese I grew up with? Please. So. I believe this recipe, this recipe is from my mom's side. So my dad's side is Sicilian. No mac and cheese inside, like just delicious Sicilian food. <laughs> my mom's side is like Scotch, Canadian, English, wasp, like mm. whatever. And so I think this recipe might have come from Canada. So the mac and cheese, ha- it's like cheese mixed in with the noodles, but then also ketchup. What? And HP sauce. And I don't know if you know what HP sauce is. I've heard of HP sauce. Yeah. It's available in the States, but like it's very popular in like England and Canada and places like that. It's HP stands for House of Parliament. (laughs) So it's House of Parliament sauce. It would be like if we had Congress sauce. It's so weird. It comes in all different kinds of flavors, but it's essentially like a steak sauce. It's very similar to like A1. So there's like that and ketchup and cheese like mixed in and baked. And then the top is just like a really thick cheese crust, like no breadcrumbs or anything. And that's what I grew up eating. And it was like my favorite food throughout childhood. It's still whenever anyone makes it, I'm like very into it. I know it sounds disgusting, but it's so good. And that's not what I make. That's not what my panko (laughs) cheese would be. I'm like using the gourmet cookbook recipe, right? But um just if anyone's like ready for a wild ride (laughs) i recommend hp sauce and your mac and cheese and just like see where that takes you oh my gosh yeah i think that my face was saying okay i know that i literally just said i'm open to all mac and cheeses (laughs) that is not macaroni and cheese please please do not give me that i won't Um, give you that i would like yeah i think it's like only in my family would we eat that that's just like a sort of family dish it sounds like so gross but it's delicious no I think that that's part of family tradition sometimes is when you're trying to describe to somebody else why the food is like good it isn't necessarily just the flavor or just the ingredients it's also wrapped up in all of the memories Mm -hmm. and so there's like a very specific like I remember when my mom first made meatloaf and I was so confused why are we eating meatloaf but then it became a thing. Right? I love meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. It's also like, a, I think it's an American thing, right? Like I think so. I would assume. It <laughs> seems like the British would like that since they have nothing of like, the, I mean, UK has like not good food. It's mostly like gravies and like meats. So I'm like, why don't they like meatloaf? Yeah. I wonder if they're, if ground beef is like a big thing in English cuisine. I have no idea. It doesn't seem like they have a lot of ground beef dishes, but I don't really know. That's a good point, too. Either way. I I mean, I love that you have, like, a dish that's so specific to your family and that still evokes these, like, good memories. Like, yeah. That's, I mean, that's the power of food sometimes, right? Yeah, totally. I wouldn't bring it to Preston, probably. No, no. I don't <laughs> I don't think that he would accept that as a gift, but I do. I also think it's really sweet that they're having like a full-on family dinner. It's so cute. I love that everyone's cooking. The food looks so good. So like, good. Like the broccoli was like nice and crisp looking. The steak was done nicely. The mac and cheese, they made it like a circular dish and we're cutting slices out like pie. Love that. Delicious. I mean, they clearly, this is a group of folks that know how to cook. 
right? They know how to execute a dish. And uh, it's so nice to see just like self-sufficient young people. (laughs) I know. Yeah. This is what I love about them. They're like high functioning. (laughs) They're not. The people over on White Summer House are not successfully cooking a lot of meals. Oh, can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. <laughs> um, so during dinner, uh, they start talking about plans to go out on a different night. Yeah, and there's maybe going to be a girls' night and a boys' night. And then they're talking about, like, okay, where would you guys go? Where would we go? And then Jordan's like, we're going to the club. <laughs> and we're going to have a good time. And they start calling it the club, which I love. And I honestly, when they kept saying clerb, I just thought that was the funniest, cutest thing. And does somebody, and I might be misremembering it, but there was some discussion about, oh, you're not going to have free drinks. You're probably not going to be out. No, Silas is like, no free drinks. If you accept a free drink, the wrong guys take that as an invitation. Just like, what? I really do my best sometimes to just tune Silas out. Like yeah. he's bringing he, nothing of interest to me. He makes no sense. Um, but okay. Uh, <laughs> the fact that the women, you know, they all worked in the Playboy Club, and so in a lot of ways they met in this like party central area and environment right and I feel like that's a lifestyle where it's like you're making tons of money and tips and you all go out and like do something fun afterwards where you spend a lot of money and go I don't know live it up yeah I actually paid um my tuition with money that I made and tips and I it was all in cash and so I would go to the registrar and they would count it out in cash oh my god you're such a badass oh my gosh it was it was ridiculous. This was before I went to law school, and I realized that that was foolish. I should have just like bought purses or something with that money, but because <laughs> I foolish still have to spend it on college. Well, what? I still have student loans. It's not like I made it out alive because there was no way that I was going to be able to pay for law school. But it was it was like a very interesting time because money came sort of freely. Like nobody wasn't hurting for money but you still like when you had a good night if you're like walking with like six hundred dollars in your pocket you're not like oh let me go to the bank and make sure that I save this for a rainy day I know that's the problem with cash tips right but it was nice because it meant that you got to like treat yourself that night and I don't I mean I'm sure there are people that did it it was also (laughs) I'm gonna age myself if I mention how much my rent was back then so I'm not gonna say it but it was I I will say that I don't know of anybody that was blowing all of their money on drinks unless they were also like doing some illicit drugs. And mm. I didn't have the time or the energy to do any drugs. So, yeah. you know. Well, I, I'm like fascinated by your illustrious 20s and your paying tuition in cash. And I love that. And I wish that I had been a little more illustrious in my <laughs> 20s. Looking back... Listen, it is it is what it is, right? Everybody has a story. I, I I think that I really embrace the fact that I come from like a working class background and I was a waitress for 10 years and now I'm an attorney because it just, 
I'm not going to use that like stereotypical American dream because it just feels a little racist. But <laughs> uh oh, <laughs> right? Uh oh. But I will say that I think that there's something to be said about my parents making a way for themselves that allowed me to do more than they could have ever dreamed of. And my ability where I'm at, if I were to ever have kids to do the same for them. And it's in two generations, right? Building generational wealth. So I wouldn't trade my 20s for anything, but I also wouldn't marry a man who doesn't realize that that's a part of my life. And I had a great time being young and having people buy me drinks um, on a regular basis because... I mean, if if you can't get some, if you can't enjoy somebody buying you drinks or food in your 20s when you have not a care in the world and you're not even close to as confident as maybe you should be, then like, what even is the point of being young? Yeah. And I just feel like guys, I understand maybe you're going to get a random guy who buys you a drink and then gets pushy about it or whatever. But like in general, it's a social custom. Guys like to buy girls drinks whether whatever they expect it doesn't matter like you can take the drink and then you can walk away and I feel like everybody knows that that's part of it you might buy someone a drink and then they might walk away from you and obviously these people are fine with that and like I don't know you know you might feel differently I just don't see this coming up a lot where the wrong guys think it's an invitation like are we living in the 1920s like what is happening right now it made no sense to me but most of what Silas says when it comes to his perspective on like gender roles don't make sense to me and I think that if I were to give him the benefit of the doubt I'm like you are not crediting the intelligence and the ability of most women to assess a situation very quickly. I think especially when you're in the service industry, part of, and I don't want to say like life and death, but part of your job is to be aware of your surroundings and to assess a situation so that you remain safe at all times because you can't just rely. And things happen quickly, especially in a club. Mm-hmm. And this is as somebody who has worked in a club, okay? You, I, I, I think it is just foolish to think that women are like being completely irresponsible and losing themselves and not paying attention or not having any critical thinking skills when it comes to who is around who might be offering to buy a drink also women are more everyone right but particularly women given silas's old school views women are allowed to also say no they're allowed to decline an offer for anything And we do that too. (laughs) Right. Well, I think, you know, the darker side of this is perhaps that like Silas doesn't think that women are allowed to say no. So it's sort of like you you gave the man the wrong idea. Now you owe him something. Mm, That's a good point. I don't know. It's like I don't think he's not putting any responsibility on like a potential guy overstepping the line. It's like, oh, if you like give him the wrong message, that's on you kind of. Yeah, but Silas, even in his conversation, he admits that he doesn't know this Jasmine who was like having fun and doing things, right? He's like, oh, well, we met during the pandemic and I'm not used to her around her friends because we were spending all this time together. And it's almost like, so are you under the impression that your now wife who used to be an employee of the Playboy Club in New York and has beautiful friends who were also 
bunnies, right? Essentially yeah. in the Playboy Club that they never went out, that they never had fun, that they never enjoyed themselves potentially in the within eye shot of like other men. Right. And this kind of escalates because Shanice points to Jasmine. She kind of airs her out. She's like, this one gets drunk. She's lit. And um, Amira says, you're digging her hole tonight because everyone's like seeing that Silas doesn't like that, which is also kind of creepy. Yeah. Shanice is like, Silas already knows. Silas is like, what? Silas knows what? Um, and Jasmine is really kind of drunk at this one. She's like, I had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> and Shanice is like, she passed out at work. Like once we like, got, and then they're kind of cut to confessional. Like, oh, Shanice and Jasmine like went and partied before a shift. And then um, Jasmine like fell asleep on Shanice's shoulder. And then Shanice ended up getting fired. But Jasmine like managed to finish her shift. And Silas is like, I didn't know about that. Like, What's crazy is that, yeah, he's mad that they're sharing a story of, like, just obviously just, like, a fun time they had. And everybody in the house knows that, like, Silas shouldn't be hearing about this. It's sort of like, oh, you're going to get her in trouble. The The idea that Jasmine is afraid of getting in trouble with him and that everybody knows that is so creepy. Yeah, it felt like it was a little sad, honestly, that... I don't know. I think this goes back to what I was saying um, an episode or two ago where I'm like, you should be so happy and feel to be and feel like you can be your complete, uninhibited, authentic self around your partner. Like if you don't feel that level of comfort, then it makes me sad because I, I think that everybody deserves that level of freedom to just be completely yourself without feeling like you're going to be judged, without feeling like you're going to get in trouble, without feeling like you have to meet these unrealistic expectations, that you can just sort of live and embody yourself without question. And I don't get that from Jasmine, right? Even after this entire weird sort of creepy conversation with her husband at the center, she even says like, oh, marriage is bittersweet. Yeah, so basically Silas kind of leaves and says she wants to go to sleep. And Silas follows her and he's like, well, you're not going to answer me. You're not going to answer me. And she's like kind of trying to check out. Jordan and Shanice tell the group that Jasmine is completely different now that she's with Silas. Right. And then, yeah, Jasmine's in the truth booth. She says marriage is bittersweet. And the idea of doing this decade after decade scares her. I mean... You know, I feel like, yeah, anytime you think of marriage, you're like, decade after decade, that is a little scary. But, like, they're, again, they've only been married for, like, six months or something. It's just very early for her to already feel, like, exhausted and to be looking ahead and be like, oh, my God, how am I going to do this? It's not a good sign. No. And, I mean, what I thought was also really interesting about this entire sort of interaction with Jasmine and Shanice, excuse me, Jordan and Shanice talking about Jasmine was Preston talking about Silas and saying, oh, no, he's exactly the same. Right. That's a good point. It's sort of like she Jasmine has to bend to Silas and he doesn't have to compromise in any way. It's like his thinking is just that, like, this is her job now to accommodate him. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to continue, right? I love black love. I'm going to continue to, like, root for them, but root for them from the perspective of, 
please go to therapy immediately and like talk through what's going on because that I don't know I'm getting into the point where I'm forgetting that we're allowed to judge them because they're on tv so let me let me let me sip my wine real quickly and then let's take a quick break and we'll be right back back I've gotten a beverage I feel much better about continuing to judge the relationship of Silas and Jasmine that's exactly where you need to be exactly right okay we're on it let's keep going all right so we go back to the living room and (laughs) Nick just sort of announces that he has a girlfriend do you I can't remember how this came about it felt very sudden to me yeah so I don't remember the lead up to the conversation but I do remember that Jordan asks uh, like oh so Nick do you have a type and then Nick says I I really like black women but also I'm seeing someone right now and everybody's like what yeah and Bria also says that's crazy because Nick slipped in my DMs. So she's now the third girl where he's been like going and chatting with her in her DMs. Very weird. For somebody that's in a relationship, I I agree. And I'm like, thank you. Because I knew intuitively that Nick was in everybody's DMs. But until this episode, we'd only gotten confirmation about Shanice and Jordan. Now we know that it's Shanice, Jordan, and Bria that apparently he technically asked Shanice to marry him? She she showed the text. Yeah, she was like, um, Nick sent me DM, DM saying you wanted to marry me. And then I was like, ha ha. And he said, why are you laughing? It's not funny or something like that. It's just like, I mean, he's coming on. It's true that he comes on very strong in the DMs. He's like a different person. Yeah. And then when in person, he's kind of mild-mannered yeah I would actually probably describe him as a little corny right oh yeah and I think because he seems like perfectly fine and perfectly nice but I think that his approach to flirting with other women his approach to sort of suggesting that he has all this game that he's so smooth that women know when they're being courted and all that for us to find out that you've had a secret girlfriend this whole time ew corny yeah very corny and so crappy to her like I don't know what their level of commitment is but just like to go on a tv show and pretend you're single is not cool at all not cool at all no so the episode ends with sort of I don't even know that we can call it a cliffhanger because now we have all of this <laughs> everyone's just sort of glaring at Nick like what right and that's it <laughs> right hopefully an expectation that we get a little bit more detail like maybe how long have you been together are you exclusive like something that might make his prior behavior make more sense but I'm not gonna hold my breath on that one yeah um Nick just continues to reveal new layers to us that's all I can say tell me about it Okay, so who is your queen of the episode? Oh, man, my queen of the episode. I think that I am going to go with Shanice. 
Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Okay. Right. And I think I'm picking Shanice because I think that she had a lot of memorable moments this episode. I think that we got to know a little bit more about her, even though part of it was her past relationship, but also how she is in a confrontational situation, right? We remembered from last week when she literally disappeared when Bria needed her most. But then we see that that's kind of her personality is to just sweep things under the rug, to try and be very avoidant of things, but also sort of own her sexuality to a certain extent. I thought that it was a complexity and an interesting facet to the cast that I appreciated. So she's she's my queen of the episode. Okay, I think you've convinced me I'm going to say she's my queen too. Because uh, yes. as much as I don't think walking around topless is an effective seduction strategy, <laughs> it's like a funny, badass move. And I like think it's hilarious that she did that. And I kind of like that she's maybe not thinking like, what's the best way to get the guy? But more just like, this is what I feel like doing right now. And I'm just going to do it. Um, that's hilarious to me. And, you know, Amir can stand to get shaken up a little. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. So who is your king of the episode? Okay, I think I'm going to have to say Amir again. Just I think he had a lot of cute moments. And I like that he cooked. Oh, I liked it. There was a time on the beach where he's talked about his flirting strategy and it was just like, just keep flirting. Mm -hmm. Don't give up, but always give yourself a way to like step back. I will tell you in my single days, that was the one thing I never mastered. (laughs) I'd always go in too hard. (laughs) I'd never be able to be like, no, just kidding. I wasn't interested. Oh my gosh. I, so I'm going to get to my king in a second, but can I just give a little bit more time and respect to the statement that you just made because I don't know how to flirt and I'm an outgoing introvert so so many people think that I'm flirting when I'm literally just trying to have a conversation and get to know someone so to this day I don't know how to flirt I only know that I'm constantly accused of flirting when I'm not doing it and so But when it comes to somebody that I'm actually interested in, I'm just an awkward ball of, your shoes are nice. I don't know why I said that. Like, it's very awkward. Yeah, I think I'm almost just too direct to really flirt effectively. Maybe I am Shanice walking around office. (laughs) I'm more verbally direct, I will say. (laughs) Honestly, I thought you were going to say verbally topless. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I am verbally topless. (laughs) Okay. I have a lot to think about. Yes. Yes. Don't we all? Um, But to your, uh, to the original question at hand, I would also say Amir, I really appreciated and loved how he stood up for the house. I loved how he ultimately admitted to technically being the bad guy without losing even an ounce of his charm. And I loved that he was trying to do a thirst trap and it just (laughs) was kind of awkward in like a really cute sweet way totally cute yeah okay who is your joker oh too easy silas all right yeah so the reason i call him the joker is because of his archaic views on relationships and on women um particularly his partner and i think that he just doesn't bring to bear the level of critical thinking that you would expect for a man in this day and age 
Yeah, I would. I agree with that. Although I think my Joker for this episode has to be Nick. Oh yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot about Nick and his shenanigans. Say more though. Well, Say so more. much of it is happening off screen, but like Nick telling everyone has a girlfriend—that's a good move. That's not a Joker move. However, it sort of brings to light what a Joker he's been acting and the fact that he's been in all these dms it seems like his dms are like not charming not cute has no game what is he doing i can only say he's being he's a joker what else can i say i hope though that he can now redeem himself and have like an arc maybe even be king one day okay um i mean we'll see right time will tell we're um only on episode three uh so maybe before the end of the season he can redeem himself there's anything's possible in summer house martha's vineyard that's a that should be a tagline how do we make t-shirts how do we make t-shirts that's the next step right well um that's all for tonight and i'm looking forward to next week when we recap episode four of summer house martha's vineyard we'll see you then bye double vision is created by jules and keens starring jules and keens produced and edited by juliana tringali golden